The nail in the coffin! Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Valentino. He is Travis Hewley. It's Monday night. Trav, how are you? Doing well, Tino, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Big weekend coming up. Best golfers in the world are going to be uh, down in Akron for the final Bridgestone Invitational at Firestone Country Club. So tonight, I uh, figured it was only fitting for us to bring on one of the best golf writers in the world. We're joined by Doug Ferguson, who has been covering golf for the Associated Press, Doug, I believe since 1998. Did I see that right? That is correct. Full 20 years of my well, life. We, uh... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, un- that's awesome. I don't know if there's a better office in the world than having uh, the best golf courses around. So uh, good stuff, and we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Let's get into it. So Firestone has been hosting pro tournaments since 1954, the uh, the World Series of Golf is uh, it was the predecessor to the uh, the current World Golf Championship uh, that's held there. That began in 1962, three majors, but uh, this is going to be the last uh, PGA Tour event uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, could you kind of just catch us up on why this tournament is going away and what's happening with the PGA Tour schedule in general and just the World Golf Championships uh, starting in yeah. 2019? It's not so much the schedule, Tom, really. It's, it's more the, the title sponsor, Bridgestone. I mean, they, um, I think they just wanted to go another direction. I mean, it's a pretty big price tag. I, 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 I suspect about now to be the title sponsor of a World Golf Championship, you're looking at $16 million a year. And I'm not sure what, what Bridgestone felt like they were, they were getting at it. One way or the other, they decided to move on. And so that left a bit of a hole. And then, and, and frankly... I mean, it was a big deal for the for the tour to re-up with FedEx for the FedEx Cup. Um, it means a lot to have continuity. It started as the FedEx Cup in 2007, and the last thing you wanted is to turn it into NASCAR, where it becomes the Winston Cup and the and the Nextel, and I frankly have no idea what NASCAR calls its thing. But it's important to have continuity, and so to re-up with FedEx uh, was a big deal. And then when they were looking for a um, a spot the field because Bridgestone was not really willing to to renew at that level. Uh, it allows them to make the FedEx tournament in in uh, at St. Jude in Memphis, Tennessee, as a World Golf Championship, and so that kind of leaves Akron high and dry. Not the first time, but the last time, and that is that is a bit sad because he, I, I think you said it correctly, Tom. You talk about these World Golf Championships. This was the original World Golf Championship. The World Series of Golf brought people in from around the world. Uh, people that America might not have been familiar with at the time, the guy Jose Maria Olazabal would come to mind. This is where they, and Nick Price is another one. This is where they first kind of introduced themselves on a on a world stage in America. And then when the WGC started, uh, this appropriately became one of them. But every time I think of Firestone, I think this is where it all started. The idea of bringing the best around the world together in one place started here at Firestone. And, you know, it is kind of sad. Um, it's part of business, and, and, and I understand that, that part of it, but, um, you know, this will be the last one. There will be golf coming next year for the, for the Seniors Players Championship, um, and frankly, the fans of Akron will see people they, they grew up with, whether it's Bernhard Longer or Fred Couples or 
you know, whatever the case may be, BJ Singh, I guess, you'll still have some, but you're not going to get the top-level golf that this, this city has enjoyed for a long, long time. Has there been any talk among the players or just anyone else in and around the tour, maybe some of the other writers that, uh, you know, those circles you move in, uh, about this being the last one? Uh, it always seems like it's been a well-liked venue. I'm sure the players say nice things every city they go to, but uh, at least my opinion as a local here, it, it seems like this is a place that's always been uh, well-liked. It is. It's been a, it's been a staple. I mean, it's um, listen, I'm not going to compare Akron, Ohio to Pebble Beach, California, but um, <laughs> in some respects it has become uh, very much a, a part of the schedule that, that you look for. Just like, you know, as I said, Pebble and, in California and you know a, a good example Tom I was going to tell you Doral uh, that used to be a huge staple for uh, for the Florida swing and that's been gone for a couple years now it's an example of, of you know things change um, economics changes and uh, you know you want to say nothing lasts forever but this this was quite a big run players players did enjoy it I think you know, not everybody. I think there's a, there's a number of players who who looked at Firestone as nothing but a but a bomber's paradise, and you know you certainly had your your fair share of, of winners who were like that. Tiger occupying you know eight of those, and you know you would you would throw in your your Darren Clark here and there and Hideki Matsuyama, um, Dustin Johnson. So yeah, it did kind of favor the the big hitters, but it still had such a great tradition on tour that you didn't hear a lot of complaints. So for these folks in Akron who are seeing this event that, you know, they've, they've cherished and really appreciated over the last decades. Um, they're obviously sort of coming to grips with the fact that they're losing this tournament. I know there's going to be certain people that naturally ask, well, how can we get someone else to, to do this? Or how can we, you know, keep some, some sort of semblance of this alive? Is there any, like, is there any way, or how, I guess, how do these sort of, how do these tournaments bounce around? I guess these ones that aren't necessarily, the big ones that, you know, the majors that everybody thinks of. But um, if you've got one like this that seems to be play a pretty good host and the players seem to like the the track, how do they – is there any chance for them or any hope of them getting one back soon, or how does that sort of work, I guess? Well, the short answer is no. I mean, there has to be a, a spot in the schedule. The most important thing is there has to be, you know, a, a corporation or a company or a title sponsor that's willing to pony up big money to do it, and, and those are in short supply at the moment. So – you know, things things come and go. The only thing, um, I don't know what your weather's like here in, in May. Well, I kind of do because it usually rains down at the Memorial. But, uh, you know, there there could be the odd chance when the PGA Championship moves to May and they're looking for something in the in the central part of the country or the, or the Ohio, Ohio Valley uh, that, that possibly they could come back to Firestone for a PGA Championship, just like they did in 1975 when, when Jack won. Uh, that would be really the only thing out there. It's not the first time. It's it's personal because it's home. I mean, it's home to the people in Akron and 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 this part of the country. Um, this stuff has happened from time to time. I mentioned Doral a little bit earlier. I mean, that that tournament was was hopping until the tournament, uh, the, the tour, in, in my opinion, kind of took it over, turned it into a World Golf Championship, and 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 it lost a lot of its flavor before it, it finally moved to Mexico. Um, there was one in Georgia that was very popular with the players. Um, Two of them, really, the, the Bell South Classic the week before the Masters. Uh, there was one called the Buick Challenge down at uh, a place called Callaway Gardens. It was a real popular spot. You had the Michelob Championship in Kingsville, uh, Pleasant Valley in the Boston area. There's been a number of cases where 
tournaments that had a nice run for whatever reason, mostly economic, um, they just kind of fade away and the chances of coming back are, are fairly slim. That's the harsh reality of it. And the thing is with uh, this tournament here in Akron, it is a world golf championship. Um, I, I don't know if the casual fans understand just what a good field we get here uh, that comes to this event every year. I mean, it's the top, what, 50 or 60 players in the world pretty much every single year. Yeah, the great thing about Firestone, they, they still manage to keep the identity of the old World Series of golf um, by and large. I mean, you start with the base of the top 50 in the world, and then you take winners from, um, you know, from, from PGA Tour events that have a, a certain level of strength of field, which is a lot of them now, and a couple from Europe, and then you throw in the odd Asian Tour and Japanese Tour and Sunshine Tour and South Africa and the Australasian Tour. You didn't know who these people were necessarily. But I thought it added to the charm of the event when you, you know, had to look at it in a bag to see who in the world this guy was. Uh, and you found out his name was Shiv Kapoor from the, uh, from, you know, from Delhi, India. Um, but he earned his spot in by winning a big tournament. And, and it, it, again, it brought a collection of people from around the world. So you had 78 of the best in the world. He probably had closer to 50 of the best in the world and had a couple of others that just really made a nice reflection on what a global nature golf has become. All right, so there's uh, quite a few players that are coming from around the world, maybe not quite as familiar um, here in Northeast Ohio. One guy that I do think everybody is pretty familiar with, uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, you were across the pond at Carnoustie a couple of weeks back. Tiger uh, was leading going uh, to the back nine on Sunday. Did you feel like you were in a bit of a time warp there? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um... A little bit. I think what struck me the most, and this is kind of odd, I was out there for probably eight or nine holes, which is the most I can afford on a, on a Sunday. Uh, and I came back in, and Tiger was still leading at this point because he had the lead from, I'm trying to think, it was probably around the seventh or eighth hole through about the tenth. And there's all these journalists in the, in the press center, and they're all looking for the right angle, and they're trying to take a picture of the leaderboard because one – Next to the number one was Tiger Woods. He was at the top of the leaderboard. And, and I don't think I've ever seen that before, where, where actual sports writers are sitting there taking a picture with their phone of the leaderboard. And it kind of struck me that half the people in the room have never seen Tiger win a major. And the other half probably thought they'd never see it again. So it was, it was kind of a big deal. It only lasted about 30 minutes. But, um, you know, I think what we see from Tiger this year is that um, he's capable. I mean, I get that question all the time. Do you think Tiger can win another major? The answer is I don't know, but I know he's capable. I think he's, I think he's shown that. He had a couple of, you know, good tournaments in Florida uh, and then kind of settled in the kind of middle of the pack. But, but, but the British was a, was a big deal. I mean, he was, he was right there with a the chance to win. Uh, time works a good, good way to put it because it did feel like 10, 12 years ago. And then you're brought back to reality because because he didn't finish, and and you kind of get a sense that the tiger from 10, 12 years ago wouldn't have made the mistakes he made, and, and would have been there till the very end. Speaking of mistakes, we um I saw I remember during the uh during the tournament in Carnoustie there were, there was mention sort of at the end that his struggles on the back nine cost him uh, may have cost him the you know the slot he needed to be to qualify for the tournament um, and then a convenient computing error that I'm sure the f good folks of Firestone uh, probably went ballistic when they found out about um, I guess how, how does that sort of happen and and how, 
how can it can it be overstated how significant having Tiger there this weekend is? It was a it was a pretty big deal. There's a lot of people who were uh, let's just call it being on Firestone watch, which is kind of weird because that's a watch I've never heard of in my life uh, as it relates <laughs> as it relates to Tiger. But you know he really he really blew it. Um, I'm trying to give me a second here, Tom. He blew it at Memorial. Uh, now he was never going to win Memorial. But he gave away a lot of shots at the end, and he gave away a lot of shots at the end of the Players' Championship. And the point people were making was not so much that it affected whether he won that week, but what place he would have finished in that would have given him more world ranking points, that would have boosted him closer to 50, maybe inside the top 50, and guaranteed him a spot at, at Firestone. Now, now, Tiger wanted to be here badly, not to the point that if he didn't make it after the British that he was going to add another tournament to try and get in. You know, he's going to play his schedule out the way he needs it to be, and he really wanted to be here. And, uh, you know, it was close. There was a lot of projections going into Sunday at Carnoustie of what he needed to finish, and those are kind of hard to read because, you know, whether he finishes here or there, it still depends on whether someone else doesn't finish, you know, so far ahead of him that it moves moves him ahead of the ranking. And there's so many different uh, mathematical scenarios um, but it was really tuck and go. So I don't think there was a computing error, but there's one guy um, who's on Twitter who's very good uh, and apparently has no life because he, he does nothing but, but pay attention to the world rankings. And he's the one that said, oh, it looks like he's going to be short. And he made one little computation uh, on the wrong side and said, well, I've got to fix it. He's actually going to finish right at 50. It was really a dream scenario because, um, you know, one shot, and Tiger's going to be 52nd instead of 50th, and he's not going to be in the field. That said, he did miss about a six or seven foot putt on the last. So, you know, if he'd have, if he'd have made that, it would have been there would have been no debate what whatsoever. So, either way, it worked out well. A roller coaster of drama, and uh, just for everyone, just to understand why it was so important for him to get back here. Tiger has not played in this event in Akron since 2014. Uh, Doug, as I think you had mentioned earlier, he's won it eight times here. Uh, his last win on the tour period was um, at the, the Bridgestone in 2013. Uh, he always talks really finally about this course. I, the line that I seems like, yeah, I hear him use every year. There's it's straightforward and there's no elephant burial grounds. Um, it's always his way of uh, saying the course isn't too tricked up. Um, do you have uh, any other particular memories of covering him here and just some of his performances in Akron in the past? I missed the 61 in 2013. In fact, that's the only World Golf Championship I've ever missed, period. Um, I forgot why I wasn't here. Oh, I know what it was. MB Park was going for her fourth straight major uh, in women's golf, which was kind of a big deal at St. Andrews, and so I flew over there. Um, but I remember he had a, if he didn't have a 61, he had a 62 one year, and it looked like that was the first time we really put Tiger on a 59 watch. I want to say that was 2001. Um, that was pretty impressive. But the year he finished in the dark and the year his, his caddy, Steve Williams, he needed a new glove for the, uh, you know, for the 18th hole. It was getting dark because of rain delays. And before Steve handed him the glove, he wrote 21 on it. Now that's Steve's um, racing number when he races in New Zealand but it's also meant one more birdie would have put Tiger at 21 under par. Tiger got a big laugh out of it, and in the dark, did a wedge to about three feet. The cameras were going off. It looked like a rock concert. He makes the putt, 
uh, and he ends up winning. So that that was a big one. I remember another one. He made a, a huge putt on 17. 17 seemed to be his his winning hole. That would have been 1999, uh, because the key putt when he won the PGA Championship the week before was on the 17th hole. And then he buried another big putt, and that helped him beat Mickelson for sure. And I, I want to say Demarco might have been in there. So that was kind of a big deal. And um, and then I think the last one playing with with Harrington in in 2008. Uh, not eight. I'm sorry. 2009 was was another big deal when, when Harrington was put on the clock and and Tiger, you know, ended up winning because he always he just he just always does. What's it? Eight wins is that? I mean, eight win matches what he did at Bay Hill. Um, but I always thought Firestone. In fact, they used to mention Firestone and Bay Hill and Torrey as kind of the courses where where Tiger was at his absolute best. But I always put Firestone. A notch above the other ones because in the in the peak of Tiger, in other words, I'm not counting either a scandal year or an injury year where he was he was suffering, and 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 just didn't do so well. When he was at full strength, uh, I can't think of a time he finished outside the top ten here. And there were times at Torrey and times at Bay Hill where he'd have the you know an off year and finish, you know, twentieth or thirtieth, whatever. That never happened to Firestone. He was always right there. Well, the one that I remember, the year I covered um, the Bridgestone for our local newspaper here back when I was on the uh, the sports staff, 2007, uh, this is where you and I crossed paths, um, and that was the year that Rory Sabatini <laughs> had a two-shot lead after Saturday, and he got up on the podium um, after his round was done on Saturday, and this was pretty much when Tiger was at the height of his powers, and he had a two-shot, Sabatini he had a two-shot lead on Tiger, and and he said, uh, "I think he's beatable," and was I don't know, full-on arrogant or just uh, brimming with confidence. And Sunday rolled around, and Tiger just beat him up one side and down the other, uh, culminating I think on the ninth hole. Sabatini missed a birdie putt, and I think uh, Tiger like chipped in for a birdie, and it was this huge swing. And, and Sabatini was in full meltdown mode. And this retired firefighter that was standing right on the ropes next to a, a bunch of us uh, uh, writers, this firefighter leans over as Sabatini goes walking by and goes, so you still think he's beatable? And Sabatini stopped, whirled around, and did a beeline right to the guy and had him thrown out of the tournament. And uh, a bunch of us went running out to the parking lot to track the guy down to you know, get his side of the story. But uh, Tiger won that day. That was one of his eight wins, and uh, it was certainly an adventurous uh, Sunday afternoon. That was, that was, um, we don't call it necessarily being overly confident. We just say that's Rory being Rory. It's strange <laughs> duck to begin with. Cause yeah, the thing I remember Tom is in, I want to say on Saturday night, he was talking about this thing, the rubber match. Tiger got him at, I want to say Quail Hollow earlier in the year. It could have been the players, but I think it was Quail Hollow. And, and then this was going to be the rubber match. And we thought, well, wait a minute. If Tiger's already won in, in May, and and this is the other one. Where, where's the third one? And Rory said the NCAA championships back in back in 1996. <laughs> huh. well, well, wait a minute. I, I thought I thought Tiger won that. He goes, he did, but I, I I had shot a better score on the lower on the last day. Oh, okay. If that's the way you keep score, then, <laughs> then so be it. The other thing I remember, I hate to bring this up, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I can say on a podcast. But to me, one of the funniest things, and I think it was Friday night. Somebody had defaced the fourth green. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yes, I in, do. 
they came in overnight with I, I got to think it was diesel or 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 some some kind of a fertilizer or something, and they basically uh, in the front part of the fourth green, which is a long green, made two. Um, let's uh, how do we say this? Uh, let's just call Seen. it the, the uh, <laughs> yes, the chest of a woman who wasn't there, and and maybe the private parts of a man. But anyway, it was. The tour did everything they could to try and clean it up and scrape it and paint it and to no avail. And so they ended up moving the flag all the way to the back of the grain and the cameras from CBS were fixed on nothing but the back of the grain so you wouldn't see it. Rory came through that day and his second shot came up just short of the, um, of the green. And I remember, and he decided to putt it. And I remember asking him what his line was and he refused to answer the question because he would have... <laughs> He would have putted through some sort of anatomy that we're not going to get into, but that was um, <laughs> that was pretty good. And there was one other one too, Tom. I wish I could remember the year on this because because he's won so many stinking times as they all kind of run together. Um, but it was fascinating on on a middle week, whether it was Friday or Saturday, where he catches a flyer out of the ninth hole, and it goes off the cart path behind the ninth green, onto the roof, and nobody ever found the ball again. And it turns out that it rattled around the roof, went off the other side, and lands uh, on the on kind of the access road behind the clubhouse. And and some guy who was delivering crunchy cream pies saw this ball rattling around, and thought somebody threw him at it. So he picked it up, put it in his cart, and he drove it away to one of the uh, villages or cottages or whatever. I guess it never dawned on him that when the when the ball had a swoosh on it and had the word tiger, that it might have been actually tiger's ball. And it, and they never did find it until later, and they ended up getting a free drop because the road Warner Road is not out of bounds, or it wasn't at the time. He gets a free drop over by the range, and he manages to get par. And uh, it was the wildest par you'll ever see in your life. The thing I most remember above all that insanity was as we were upstairs in the locker room trying to figure out what in the world happened to Tiger's golf ball. Uh, Ernie and Sergio were both kind of looking and watching and observing. And when they realized that Tiger was going to get a free drop, they were apoplectic. And it just kind of, it just kind of showed to me that day that these guys were really, really far away from where their game needed to be because they were just absolutely ballistic that Tiger was going to get a break. And, and it was a fascinating moment. And yes, he did go on to win that year. Do you have uh, any other favorite stories from Firestone, uh, not involving Tiger. Obviously, he's always kind of dominated things since he's been here. But uh, as you said, there's a, a tremendous field here every year and a lot of other big names. Um, who else has uh, done things uh, that uh, you can uh, look back on? I think Jason Day collapsing was, was one that comes to mind. I, you know, he, he thought for sure he was going to win this thing. And he got to the 16th and he, he pulled a three wood into the trees to the left and Hit his next shot into the trees to the right, and he ended up making double bogey and uh, and losing the tournament that year. Um, that one stands out to me, and and really to me, um, Furyk losing a seven-hole playoff to Tiger. That would have been in 2001. Um, I think it went. Yeah, I'm sure it went seven holes. Um, that's when Furyk, on on at one point, um, not the most happiest memory of all, but um, during the playoff, he left his shot. On the in the bunker on 18, he left it in the sand, and Mickelson was watching from the clubhouse, and said 25 to one, he makes it, 
and Fira closed a bunker shot for par to keep the playoff going. And Nicholson said to Mike Weir and whoever else uh, got in on the bat, you can pay me in St. Louis. Um, that led to a little bit of a problem. The funny thing is we never we never got a collect because the next week 9-11 happened and, and St. Louis was canceled and, and, and that was that. Um, that was that was one memory. And the other one that really struck me too, you know, I'm usually inside in the in the press center uh, as it's finishing just because I have to get the story out so quickly. And Tiger was in a playoff with Stuart Sink. And Stuart had a putt from about four-ish feet. And I'm trying to think if he was on, I'm pretty sure he was on the 18th. And because of the proximity and because of the way television works, we can hear the cheer um, of a crowd before they actually, you know, the, the, the satellites or the signals bounce off their satellites and, and then you see it on television. And so we're watching Stuart over this putt. And we heard a cheer, and I started writing, okay, Stuart Sink has, has won the, uh, I think it was the NEC at the time. And then we looked up, and he missed it. And it dawned on you that, that the crowd was actually cheering so much for Tiger that they, it wasn't an outright, like, Ryder Cup cheer for Stuart, but it was an emotion that was just a little bit odd for the sport. Um, so that was a big one, too. And then the other one, I mean, the, the, really, the all-timer might have been when Adam Scott won, and they were chanting for Steve Williams, who had been fired by Tiger that year and and stevie having one of the all-time interviews on the 18th green calling that the greatest win of his career even though i'm pretty sure he didn't hit a shot that week <laughs> so it's it's full of it i'll be honest with you tom there are times and i'll and i'll do it this week and firestone probably stands out more than most courses where as i'm walking along the course and i get to a hole i'll remember a moment whether it was last year or 15 years ago but that's you know that's what the course does to you it just creates stuff that's really awesome to hear you say that considering that you're, you're going around with these guys all year and you've been doing it for so long. I mean, like I, you know, I go to this tournament pretty much every year with my dad. I, I always take my dad. I'll be going down there again on uh, Friday this year. Um, and, you know, we can kind of go through the same memories. Like, you know, when you're kind of rolling down memory lane here with uh, some of these great moments in the past, another one that uh, I remember, I think it was about, five or six years ago uh, talking about Jim Furyk. He had another one where he was leading pretty much the whole way. Yeah. And yeah. He, all of a sudden on the back nine on Sunday, he started stumbling and Keegan Bradley came in like a bat out of hell and, uh, and caught him on the last hole. And then Furyk, I think just had a total meltdown on 18 and, and Keegan ended up winning that year. And, and that was, yeah. I can specifically remember being down um, along the fairway in front of the green, um, I think by the big scoreboard, and you know, being there with my dad and seeing that one, and that was just incredible to watch happen in person. Yeah, that was that was going to be a wire to wire win for Furyk, and actually he made double bogey from the middle of the 18th fairway, just completely chopped it up, missed the green way to the right, left his chip either in the bunker or short, and then onto the green, and then and then two putts, and that's it. But you know, you see, you see bad things like happen from, from time to time, and I've frankly seen a, a lot of it. Um, but the thing I won't forget out of that whole day is that Furyk, I mean, there's no other way to say that he just flat out blew it. And he's devastated um, because Ohio means a lot to him. And, you know, they, they just started to do an interview just outside, and, and Jim said, no, forget it, I'm going inside to face the press. And he came in, and it wasn't any of that, Happy feely, oh Jim, I know you've had a, a great week and a tough ending. 
And he just took the mic and said, look, I blew it. And it was awesome. And that's why we like Furyk so much. Your memory for this stuff is freaking incredible, <laughs> considering yeah. how many tournaments you covered. I mean, you're breaking down uh, the 18th uh, fairway from a tournament six years ago. It, uh, that blows my mind. But, uh, it's scary, actually. Kind of <laughs> pathetic when you think about it. <laughs> no, it's great stuff. Pam, did you have uh, anything else you want to jump in with? Yeah, I guess just looking forward to this week. Obviously, Tiger's going to be the big story, kind of what it's been for the last time, 20 years. He's always sort of the big story. Is there anything else specifically that you're interested to see this this weekend? Any any guys specifically or any sort of storylines that you would say um, outside of the Tiger that we're going to hear 90% of the time? There's, there's actually too much, Travis. I mean, there's, there's, uh, I was just talking about this today with uh, uh, with an agent that I had lunch with. The, um, there's such a good feeling. Golf is so deep right now that you say, you know, who do you like this week? Well, there's about 20 guys. And 10, 15 years ago, there, there might have been five, six, seven, or eight of them. But, um, you know, it could be anybody. You got Dustin coming off a, another win in Canada, and, and Rory is, is right there. And, and Jason has won twice this – Jason Day has won twice this year. And, he's, he's, you know, he just needs another one to kind of keep pushing forward. And, you know, Spieth and, and Justin Thomas, I mean, there's just, there's just so many of them. I, th- I think the one – probably one of the subplots, um, going into it is, is probably the Ryder Cup because there's only two weeks left uh, for the top eight guys to, to earn a spot on the team. And because points are based on, on sheer money, now it's, it's, it's a time and a half next week at the PJ Championship because it's a major, but you're dealing with a $10.5 million purse. Um, there's a number of guys who could have a big week and play their way onto the team, whether that's, you know, whether that's Matt Kuchar, whether that's Somebody like, uh, you know, Kevin Chappell or Xander Schofley or, or uh, did I say Matt Kuchar already? Um, there's a number of guys who, who, you know, they could make a, a big difference in the Ryder Cup and how they play this week. Um, and then everyone else, I think, is just you're, you're, you're kind of using this as a springboard into, into next week. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I always enjoyed Firestone a lot more when it was the week after the PGA uh, instead of the week before. But um, you know, it's look. It still produces good stuff, uh, no matter what week it was held in. Well, uh, it might be the last one uh, coming to Akron, but uh, certainly has all the makings of being another great weekend here. Doug, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Enjoyed it, and hope you have a good week out there. All right, there we go. Doug Ferguson, golf writer for the Associated Press. Be sure to read his coverage from Firestone this week. He's a great follow on Twitter, too, at DougFerguson405. As for us, subscribe to The Nail on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. We're also on the TuneIn app and Stitcher. And you can stream us on WaitingForNextYear.com. Finally, be sure to like our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash TheNailPodcast. Once again, a big thanks to AP golf writer Doug Ferguson for joining us. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, for Travis Hewley, I'm Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.